about we're so quiet on the track compared to when we were rapping <laughs> yeah it helps not to be shouting over that background music For the Mundangerous Confessional in New York City, I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host Ishan. And welcome to episode 101 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're talking about talking between sessions. But first, the rogue traders fly behind enemy lines, by the seat of their pants, in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign. And later, the intercessor steps in to make things right, or to make things dead, in the Character Creation Forge. So yesterday, the third installment of the Masks actual play that uh, I was playing in, uh, run by Brendan Conway of Magpie Games, uh, and playing Young Justice characters, uh, went live uh, on the Whelmed podcast. That's CrashingTheMode.com. So Brendan was the GM, uh, and then the other players were Rich Howard and Emily Booza from Whelmed, Darcy Ross from Contessa, Cypherspeak, and now Monty Cook Games, Neil Powell. Uh, from the DMs block, and me. So, really, I don't know how I got in on that game. Mm -hmm. I think it was pity. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Uh, Part 4 will be out next week, and I believe there might even be a part 5, but I'll keep you posted. And finally, thank you so much to all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, You guys came out in droves to support us we did not expect to hit the hundred dollar goal so quickly we did not expect to have to put together the morning glory smash cut so quickly yeah we didn't expect (laughs) to really ever have to do that (laughs) so you guys are amazing um thank you so much for everything um and then just a reminder that the annotated history of brand talandro um part four is available for free on patreon you don't need to back or register anything it's just on our page there and parts one through three are linked through that, and they're also on tribality.com. Um, thank you to Sean Ellsworth at Tribality for posting those for us over the past month. All right, so Shane, where are we in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign? So the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign is our rogue trader game that we ran using the Dark Heresy 2nd Edition rules by Fantasy Flight Games. It's set in the Warhammer 40K universe. And the rogue traders uh, on their ship, the His Enduring Light, have recently arrived on the feudal world Gauntlegrim, which is in the midst of a war with their native orc population and uh, being harassed by Dark Eldar, whom you've met. Look, before we even got here or knew anything about this planet, I said it was a garbage planet, an awful mud ball, and see, I was right. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, fertile and green. And uh, also, they've invited you to a very nice dinner. It's green because it's covered in orcs. (laughs) Yeah, and trees. But yeah, okay, orcs. It was a nice dinner, though. Um, Except that Echo put her foot in her mouth. Augmatics? Does she have augmatics? Put Uh, those in her mouth, too? Yeah. Yeah. She she insulted one of the uh, barons, one of the members of the nobility, about his lost son. But... Then she had a lovely time in the kitchen. Right. (laughs) With the help. (laughs) The rest of us, though, didn't fare quite as well because we essentially got strong-armed into mm, doing work, which we hate. Yeah, but, I mean, you did get something out of it in the roundabout sense. I mean, you secured the framework of a deal for 
agricultural equipment, which you had been pursuing ostensibly ever since you left the ag world of Novabella. And we didn't have to offer up any uh, reinforcements or armsmen, mainly because we didn't have any, but we didn't tell them that. Yeah, you managed to avoid telling them you didn't have any <laughs> armsmen, so they still think they still think you're holding out, but they've, <laughs> they've found other work for you to do. Yeah. Um, a supply drop was knocked hundreds of miles off course and landed behind orcish lines, and the Gauntle Grimmers have, really have no way to go get it, but well, we have a ship. Yeah. Yeah, so the the thing is that supply drop contained lots of las guns, and as you know, the uh, planetary defense force of Gauntlegrim is severely under technologized, uh, fighting against orcs using imperial guard tactics, with uh, which you know basically rely on machine las guns, uh, and instead all they have are musket las guns. Oof. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's an uphill climb. Over the corpses of all your friends. Right. <laughs> so, what did you do, Ishan? I would say we were uncharacteristically charitable and said, you know what, we'll help you out because we have to. <laughs> yeah, a charity at the <laughs> end of a bolt pistol. Sure. The next day, uh, we got in the gun cutter and got the coordinates for that uh, where that supply drop landed and said, don't worry, we will retrieve it for you. Yeah, and so your gun cutter is like a a small seats about twenty people kind of uh, surface slash void ship. Uh, so it's capable of it, it's basically what you use to ferry yourselves and your command cadre from your ship in orbit down to the surface. Yeah, it's basically the chopper. Well, it is now because <laughs> <laughs> if you recall, uh, one of your stowaway orcs decided to paint it in red tiger stripes yeah and uh and christened it the hostile negotiator the hostile negotiator h-o-z-t-u-l that's probably how you spell it so we are um a cautious bunch so we decided the first thing we would do is you know strafe the front lines of the orcs (laughs) right (laughs) your plan was to make a big display out of it we really, really want to be seen as big damn heroes on this planet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and well, the orcs fired back. <laughs> Caused a little bit of damage, if I recall, but nothing that you uh, couldn't get away with. We walked it off. We walked it off. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so then you turned north and headed behind orcish lines. It was actually pretty easy to locate the drop pod because the orcs don't really have flying defenses at all. You know, so we just flew high, found the... Um, geo coordinates and then went in low yeah well they they do have air defenses they don't have like long range air defenses so like orcs don't have targeting systems and you know missiles and those sorts of things they have flat cannons because right. they're orcs <laughs> but the gun cutter can literally fly into orbit right so we were okay right uh, an unladen gun cutter <laughs> yeah <laughs> because we found the drop pod and it is really big it is Hundreds of tons big, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's what they used to drop regiments of, of space marines. And it's, you know, full of guns. Right. So we did manage to hover nearby and then hook a tow cable to it and then winch it up while taking some light fire from the orcs. Of course, the combined weight made it, it extremely unwieldy. Yeah, and, and difficult to climb too high. Yeah. Like, you, you I think... I think you decided to stay relatively low to the surface for risk of uh, 
falling harder. <laughs> like you didn't want this giant thing to to be dragging you to the ground if you uh, took any fire. Although I guess if we had really closely read the vehicle rules in Dark Heresy Second Edition, it doesn't matter how far you fall in a vehicle. If you crash in a vehicle, yeah, you you're die. pretty much dead. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so you, you got a little bit of fire, uh, and realized that, okay, we're either going to have to go along the surface, uh, by land and then expose ourselves to this type of light air fire from the orcs, or we can attempt to, uh, head out over sea where we know the orcs won't be. Uh, but there is a storm rolling in. Yeah, so we did the math. Uh, combined with the both magnanimous and magnificent display at the front lines um, and the fire we were taking here, we were basically about one hit away from the gun cutter exploding anyway. Right, and it turns out storms don't shoot back. <laughs> so we definitely flew into the storm. <laughs> and we'll find out what happens next, next week. So this week, we're talking about intercession communication. That is the talking that the group does and the players do and the GM has in between the times that you actually play. Yeah. Why, why would you want to do that, though? Yeah, like, I don't understand that. I spend yeah. enough time with you. Like, four hours a week is plenty. <laughs> trying to get away from you people. Right. right. <laughs> then we have to record a podcast on the weekend. It's like, it's enough. But seriously, the time that most people have to play RPGs is pretty limited. Like our group is really lucky in that we play weekly, but a lot of groups that we talk to play monthly. Yeah, or, or biweekly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and having some sort of communication in between those sessions really helps with the continuity of the storyline and also I think with the cohesiveness of the group. Yeah, and it, it can also help um, get started quickly, right? Like it gives you something to refer to to just get your get get in the mindset of gaming immediately yeah so let's talk about uh different things that you can do uh communicating in between your sessions i think the first thing that most people think of is the the recap what happened in the last session yeah this is incredibly important if you plan to uh discuss your prior campaigns (laughs) on a podcast it is very important to number those recaps right so you can make sure you didn't miss one right And and then have a title so that it's easily searchable right just just some pro tips from some amateur podcasters throwing that out for you uh but otherwise uh, in more traditional games it's super helpful to fill in if you have absent players or if you need to remind players what happened because you're not playing often enough or you've got um, alcohol at your table like we often deal with yeah or you know someone is easily distracted by their phone or they're in the bathroom when something happens or they have to leave early right uh, even if the email gets sent right after the game, like I think Angelo sends our Dark Sun recaps in the next, you know, day, maybe two days after we play. Yeah, I think he writes that on the train ride home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is now uh, an email or like a message that can be read later uh, or, you know, even referred to during the next session. There, I think there have definitely been times where we're sitting in a session and it's like, okay, so what happened last time? And you're like, well, hold on. Well, I'll just pull up the email. Right, yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, you said this. Oh, right. Why did I say that? (laughs) It's also really helpful to highlight the important takeaways that a GM wants uh, the players to remember. So, like, if it's important that the statue was, like, a copper patina as opposed to, like, a stone statue, or, like, you really need to know the wizard's name because it happens to be an anagram of something else, Right. you can point that out in the email. Yeah, it's always it, it it's super helpful when those details 
like you don't want to highlight them in game like you don't want to lean into them because mm-hmm. you don't want a player to note like oh the gm's acting weird about this but you also need to make sure the information is in the player's hands right so you know sometimes you'll casually mention something and then the player screws up their lore check or for whatever reason people just don't notice it right so you casually mention it a second time and suddenly people go wait hold on maybe this is important yeah, <laughs> yeah. i like think of it like uh you know a a lot of TV shows at the beginning have like last time on days of our lives. And then in that like 15, 20 seconds of scenes, they don't always show the same ones and they don't always show what just happened. They show the scenes that are important for you to understand before you're about to watch this episode. Right. And I think lots of times I'm like, Oh, they showed Danny getting shot. I guess the aftermath of that is in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) This is definitely the plot of days of our lives. (laughs) I have no idea. Danny got shot while cheating on Melissa's husband? I was just trying to avoid more Dragon Ball Z references (laughs) for you. For you, Shane. Thank you. Thank you for bringing it back into my wheelhouse, daytime television. (laughs) Um, This is also a useful time to retcon mistakes that you've made. Yeah. It's easy to just kind of like, oh, I said this, but I meant this. And like, "Eh, whatever, I'll just sneak it into the recap. Mm -hmm. And if anybody asks about it, you're like, oh, yeah, I screwed that up. Don't worry about it. It's, It's correct in the recap. Uh, or you know, I forgot to highlight something. Like yep. I forgot to actually even mention that like this thing is in the room. Yeah, like you, like nobody f- remembered to ask the wizard's name, so I gave it to you. Right. <laughs> uh, there's a door in the south wall as well. I was saving that for this email. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's really great for world building. I think especially for a group that is less serious actually at the table. Uh, or for groups that don't really stay in character, you know, that joke around a lot. Oh, like our group. What? Okay, fine. Exactly, our group. Um, you can have the tone of your recap email be like very serious or written from an in-world perspective. Uh, and, you know, people can then like get really into the storyline again. I, I find it it really helps in terms of immersion when I'm about to show up at the table and I'm trying to think, okay, what would my character do when they're not trying to crack a joke? Yeah, and then as far as how you do that recap, I think you need to focus on what you're trying to convey, right? So are you trying to be informative about the mechanics of what happened and, and how things went down, or are you trying to build like more of a narrative overall? Yeah, and a lot of this depends on sort of your preferences as, as a GM, or just what you're trying to convey to your players at a particular time. So I think most of the Morning Glory recaps lean toward the informative side, but that's mm-hmm. because I wasn't doing a recap every week, which in hindsight I kind of wish I had been. Right, right. You know? And then that would have been like, oh, here's the story of what happened, sort of written out, you know? Yep. So-and-so did an amazing thing, and then like Bastion kicked a guy, and then Calic cut his head off, you know? Well, you can't really go in that level of detail either. That, that would be exhausting if you try and recount like blow by blow. It's like there was a fight. You write, you write songs. I do write songs every week. I do, <laughs> but that's that's more for that's the world building aspect. <laughs> They're in universe. I think the blow by blow the blow by blow is easier for me to write, also because I can kind of make it up. Yeah, it's just it's like to, no one really remembers. It's just harder to remember is the challenge. Yeah, <laughs> I always find it important to. Like when when players screw up and bad things happen, I always try and document that in an email mm-hmm. because 
I don't want somebody to have forgotten that that happened and then be like, wait, you've been lying to us for eight sessions? And I'm like, no, 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 no. You guys screwed up that lore check. <laughs> like, you did not do your research properly. You know, like, you ended up with a bad lead, remember? And, like, this is the, the natural effect of that. Right, or... Remember, this was your decision. Yeah, that, that too. <laughs> I did not railroad you into this. In fact, if you read this carefully, I was trying to railroad you out of it. Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> go read those recaps. The conspiracy theory threads are there. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a great opportunity as a GM for you to actually take your time and figure out how much XP the players got um, and what kind of loot they get. Yep. You know? yep. Because lots of times you don't necessarily know what chests the players are going to open. You don't know what secret doors they're going to find. And you don't know what enemies they're going to defeat until after the session is over. Right. So you don't necessarily have a list of, you know, here's all the stuff that, like, the Duke had on him, you know, or that was inside the treasury. Right. And you've, you can also deal with in some systems where you've got sweeping mechanical changes by changing your loot or equipment. Right, like third edition had a lot of those items where it was like, oh, cool, I touch every number on my sheet now. Uh, right, right, and it's like <laughs> I'm not going to do this in the middle of a session and have people like going ham with an eraser. Right, like let's do that between sessions. Update your sheets with what you actually equip. Oh man, yeah, boots of Dex plus six now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just crumple it up and start yeah, over. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, belts of giant strength and like <laughs> I'm, I'm out. Uh, and like we mentioned, it's great later on to have documentation of the games that you played because you know we all sit around and like hash out oh you remember the time we did this but i think we just sat around for half an hour uh laughing through our old email threads yeah (laughs) (laughs) so our email threads are (laughs) they they never actually accomplish much no but they're fun to reread we all often have absentee players, so the absent players are all always asking questions of how this happened. And then usually making fun of the players who were there for making dumb mistakes. Right. Why would you do that? <laughs> right, but didn't you spend fate? Yeah, no, I spent fate. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why I rolled 100. <laughs> <laughs> so we touched on this a bit, but in addition to recaps, you can also have messages that are specifically meant to facilitate planning what's going to happen in the next session. Yeah, we talked about this all the way back in like episode one. One, yeah. With heists, right? Like do some planning between sessions so you're not spending all your time at the table doing it. Mm-hmm. And it lets players mull over their options rather than having to decide in the moment at the table because, you know, hey, we got a limited amount of time, come up with something. It's really better at mimicking uh, when an adventurer has like days or even like weeks to think about how they're going to, you know, assault the castle or, you know, rob the bank. Yeah, or shopping. Yeah. <laughs> like, go through your item lists and, like, your DMGs and your, you know, all that stuff uh, on your time, not on the group's time. Or in the thread. And if no one, if you don't want to read that thread, that's great. But, hey, everyone, did uh, is anyone else buying a broom of flying? Because if you are, I'm not going to. Right, Like, right. we need one. Yep. In this instance, I wouldn't use uh, an intercession message for decisions that would be made spur of the moment in-game, right? Like, if you're trying to decide... Which person do I shoot? You know, the vizier or what might be the changeling? You know, that is, isn't is really something that you want people to be talking about uh, via email or maybe even texting each other and being like, wait, wait, uh, I have an idea. How about this instead? Yeah. Like, if that's going to happen 
in the game world in like three seconds make it happen in real life in three seconds yeah there's a difference between like intellectual decisions and emotional decisions Mm. right leave the intellectual decisions to the email the emotional decisions in the moment or let your players stew over it and agonize (laughs) for a week i don't care (laughs) guess we'll see what happens all right You can also use these planning emails to provide direction. Uh, Player attention is even more fleeting when you're not at the game. So even if you're playing an open-ended sandboxy type game, if you're sending a planning email, offer up several options. You can be like, hey, you can do anything that you want, but the most obvious things are A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a less sandboxy game, just be like, well, you can go north or you can go south. You can, like, alert the Huns. Right. (laughs) or, Or you can attack the Huns. Joke's on you. I'm headed to the ocean. Go east, baby. You drown. This is basically the kind of email that I sent uh, in episode one when we talked about heists and I wanted the entire party to have as much time as possible to figure out what they were going to do in the Pit of Five Sorrows because I knew we got four to five hours. It's definitely going to take that entire time. I don't want everyone sitting around. So here's an email with literally everything you need to know. Stop bothering me. Yep. We've touched on this a little bit, but it can also be sort of a session half email you know kind of uh you know we talk about session zero being how you create a character this could be sort of that level up a character or advance or um you know do the things you need to do mechanically to your character sheet in between sessions kind of email right like we just had session 12 this is session 12.5 because we all leveled to eight right you know or we gained whatever 1400 xp so we can now have that conversation Instead of at the table, we can have it via email or Gchat or whatever, where the power gamers and the tacticians and the munchkins can be like, oh, you know, what would be great for you to take? Yeah. Or the, the casual gamers can be like, hey, what would be great for me to take? Right. I don't know. Yeah. Or, hey, can somebody get a magic carpet, please? Or a bag of holding? Because we could use those. Right. Are you going to take that feat? Oh, well, okay. If you're going to be the frontline tank, like, I don't want to step on your toes, so I'll be more ranged and I'll take this different feat. I don't want to multi-class into ranger because you're multi-classing into ranger and you don't need two rangers. Yeah, that way when you get to your session, all you have to do is sort of share your final decisions mm-hmm. and move on. And this sounds a little sort of like gamist, right? Like, okay, we're doing the mechanics now. But if you think about it, these are the kinds of decisions that adventurers would actually be making around the campfire, right? Like, I'm going to subscribe this spell or prepare this spell. Oh, that combos really well with your spell if you learn or take it or whatever, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, it's also possible to play via email. I mean, you're playing play-by-post games, which is not a whole lot different from email. Yeah, you can kind of mimic those in between sessions. This is really great if your in-game session is going a little too long. You know, the interrogation or the decision can take place over email. We'll sort of hash out what we ask the prisoner. Uh, It also allows the session to just end on like a big reveal. Oh, you unmasked who the changeling actually is. Dun, dun, dun. Right. We'll figure out what happens over email. Exactly. <laughs> uh, probably not good to go for combat in mm-hmm. an intercession email. That, that's probably too much to track and a little too much game to to try and handle without being physically present. Right. But or, it is... or at least all engaged at the same time. Right. And you don't want to like sort of skip over somebody's turn, especially if they're like taking damage or could do something. Right. Yeah. But it's great for social encounters. Uh, you could have players who are really good writers and actually like to, you know, write out paragraphs or, you know, full prose that they might say, like a speech even. 
or wallflower players who might have a lot that they want to say but don't yet feel comfortable saying it at the table, they yep. could send that in an email. Yeah, or musically inclined GMs who want to write parodies of I don't pop music. Know what you're talking about? <laughs> I don't know any musically inclined GMs. I don't know any bards. Oh, you know, we've proven we are not musically inclined. <laughs> That's right. I, let's um like a socially focused PC shine, but doesn't take too much time away from the table in game. I think one of the things we talk about is you know during a social encounter. Or, you know, the high charisma, high persuasion PC is talking to the queen. Right. You know, sometimes everyone else sort of takes a back seat while that conversation is happening and that can get a little boring. Mm -hmm. But if that's occurring over email, the person can be as long winded or like flowery or formal as they want to be. And the queen can have a long discussion, too. They can go off on random tangents and nobody's left out because they can read the email or they don't have to read the email. Right, right. Yeah, so at some point, though, if you if you try and play via email, you're going to need skill checks, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's because of that social interaction or if you're trying to do more like exploration pillar type work, um, you're going to need to interact with the game system at some point. So what's the best way to do that? I think the one we sort of hit upon um, is that the player who wants to do something tells the GM their modifiers, right? Like, so I'm going to make, I'm going to say this thing to the queen the GM would be like, okay, give me persuasion. And the player says, okay, I've got a plus six to persuasion, but also I have advantage because of whatever. Yeah. You know? Well, usually when I, usually I would try and lump all that into one email, right? So it's like, I'm going to make, I'm going to say this to the queen. If you need anything, my persuasion is plus six. My deception is plus four. <laughs> my inside adv- is plus 11. Right. <laughs> and I have advantage on, on charisma checks with dragons. Sometimes I send the initial email and don't mention anything else because I want it to just happen rather than having to make that's, a check. That's also a nice strategic move. <laughs> uh, but then once the GM has all that information, they make the role in secret and then tell the player what the result was rather than having to deal with like the whole process of a player making the role and then like just honor system or even having to like log on and roll online or, you know, use a forum or something like that. Yeah. It's a nice opportunity for the GM to do a big lore dump um, we've talked before about how that can get boring at the table, but you know, in game you throw a scroll on the table and whatever player is most interested sort of digs into it, but you can do the same thing via email, like that document that you had printed out and then rolled up, you know, like a parchment, just provide the PDF of it. It's actually kind of interesting for a player who wants to, uh, really role play or, or feels like their personality is akin to like a lore based or a scholar PC, you know, the person who is playing the librarian, but also really likes to search through the, through the documents for like acronyms or like words that are misspelled that might be clues. Mm-hmm. You can even, I mean, if you're so inclined as a GM, you can like literally create a cipher and then let your players try to figure out the cipher. Um, and then last, you can do things like side quests or downtime activities via email. Um, you can end up doing a lot of work on that if you, uh, if you, let it go too far afield but you know that that basically becomes playing a play-by-post game that leads into another reason that you might want to contact players or your gm in between a session which is secrets Mm -hmm. so maybe when the party enters the throne room one of the pcs is going to recognize that the vizier is someone from her backstory but obviously no one else does. You can keep this a secret, not tell the other players at the table, 
you can hand a note over at the table, but that's obvi- that's very obvious. Online, you can just notify the one player and be like, hey, actually, you know this person. Right. Totally up to you if you want to tell anyone or, you know, the vizier visits you at night and says, I know where your father is. Right, right. <laughs> this is also good if you've got, like, secret elements of a player's backstory and you're coming up on sort of brushing the edges of that, right? You can talk to that player without making it obvious that these things are going on um, about what they're doing to keep that secret or what they've done in the past, what precautions they take. Yeah, and as a player, you can be proactive about this and say, oh, wait, wait, we're like going near my homeland? Okay, here are the things I'm going to do to make sure nobody sees me. In fact, I buy like a heavy cloak. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're playing that type of game, this is the opportunity to collude with a player or your GM on how your evil PC is going to betray the entire party. But that's good to do that via email. That way you don't have to show up to the session. (laughs) 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 Or it could just appear that you're about to betray the entire party and instead you are secretly funding uh, resistance groups uh, inside your home city. Uh, I don't yes. know if you've heard of that. Yes, in order to keep the uh, the theocracy from which you hail intact, <laughs> despite the leader of your church having been deposed by a false keeper of the flame. I mean, we're talking about Brand again. <laughs> uh, yeah, we sort of did all of the above with Brand. Like, there was a lot more back and forth with Brand's backstory and what he was doing in Flamekeep that we didn't want to have at the table just because that would have taken up way too much time from the actual game. Yeah, and, and because Bran was um, was an Inquisitor of the Silver Flame, he had a whole like political structure behind him that he represented that didn't really make sense to expose to everybody mm-hmm. um, and actually kind of enhanced his untrustworthiness. <laughs> <laughs> there were also times in the Morning Glory campaign when um, Angelo or Susie uh, and I would sort of role play their interactions. Uh, L- Crazy Lou, the great Olin warlock, um, had basically NPC sim- symbionts, mm-hmm. um, you know, organs that sort of attached to her, given her, or found via the Dalkir that she was communicating with and she would have conversations with them. Uh, or Bahar would be trying to figure out exactly how the party's plans fit in with his house. Yeah, yeah, because Bahar was a member of House Madani, mm-hmm. so he, like Bran, had a large organization and political structure behind him that he represented as well. Uh, if nothing else, email is a good way to RSVP for games because it turns out everybody has it. Yeah. Um, make sure whoever is sending that is sending it with enough lead time so that people can decide if they're actually able to show up at the next session. And remember, anyone can send it. It doesn't need to be the GM. Yeah, well, it always ends up falling on the GM, right? Yes, <laughs> it, Either, either it does. that or the host. <laughs> um, and it doesn't have to be by email. I know lots of groups use like uh, Facebook and Facebook events to organize these things or just like Google Calendar invites or whatever. I mean, whatever whatever medium you use to do it, right? I think it's definitely helpful to know, one, who's going to be at the session um, so that you can plan for things like food and drinks and that sort of stuff, as well as the GM can plan the session and the players know what resources they have available. Yeah, what's my XP budget? Yeah. How many Tarasks do I need to send to you? Well, yeah, and also, like, are we a party of mages today? <laughs> have, have we left out all of our frontline fighters? <laughs> That's going to affect what spells I prepare. <laughs> or also how we're going to assault the castle. Right, right. It's all rogues today? Yes! Right. <laughs> then we shall sneak. 
were all in plate mail, then we shall charge. <laughs> so depending on the personality type, the player personality type that you might have or your party might have, uh, these intercession messages can really help you get the kind of play experience that you want that you might not be able to get just from a session at the table. It's a chance for everyone to shine a bit or get a little extra attention. So like, for example, if you're the method actor, you can indulge uh, really diving into your character as much as you want on those emails. You can, I mean, I think both of us have written very long-winded treatises from the perspective of our character Send that mm-hmm. to everyone else that probably half the group read. Yeah. I've, I've also <laughs> pre-written, like, when I knew that speeches were going to be coming up in, like, in session, I, I often pre-write those. And then I have them ready to send out so everyone can remember how great my speech was. Yeah. When uh, my 40K character um, read at a funeral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I had that in our Dark Sun game. Uh, we were <laughs> we were on trial, as as we so often are. <laughs> <laughs> Have we ever had a game where we weren't on trial? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't start off that way. It's just, you know, player actions. It's it's something by like the 10th session. If we haven't had a trial, we're not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like it, it was, you know, it was politically charged. So I needed to make sure I hit my talking points. Um, and I think in that one, I actually was reciting a, like a story from the history of our um, mercenary company. Mm-hmm. So I, I pre-wrote the history. Yeah. So, you know, for example, in our Dark Sun game, Jim, who's playing Chronicler, who, guess what? Chronicles things, uh, will write out like the the history or the lore of an old battle that he's pulling out of the Chronicles that we carry, our mercenary company carries around with us. Yep. Um, and then throw that up in an email. Is it necessary to the game? Do we need to know all this information? No, but it totally adds to world building. Right. Or I think probably even more often when we're doing these planning sessions, we have a lot of players who are very tactically minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one to three of them will be the ones who respond with well, four different plans about how we could potentially approach this (laughs) yeah everyone brings two (laughs) and there's two that overlap (laughs) yeah i love that uh pit of five sorrows there were probably three different ways to approach it and then when you actually got inside someone was like maybe we should just run yeah exactly i like running like we started weighing all of our options and it was just like huh all of these really suck and seem really hard (laughs) but that monk is really fast (laughs) I think that the the challenge we had with that was that the scale of the map was not uh was not front of mind. You didn't read it carefully. One square equals twenty feet. Right, yeah, we didn't fully grasp the impact there. <laughs> Quarter mile on each edge. Right. Alright, so obviously we use intercession emails, messages, and communication constantly. Actually if you read uh the annotated history of Brand Talandra, a lot of that is Actually, no, pretty much all of that is intercession communication. Uh, well, the first three parts are pre-session communication. Oh, right. right. We, we it had, was your test. It, we hadn't had a right. session yet. But yeah, uh, part four on Patreon is uh, is all intercession. Yeah, all 10,000 words of it. It's a lot of G-chat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I personally, I love having the record of the game um, to go back to, right? Like that's the main benefit of all of this for me is that 
given the excuse to sit down and do it. Like I, I really enjoy going through all these old email threads and like what we were thinking and how it turned out and all of these things is uh it's like a great archive of a piece of our our yeah. shared gaming history. Yeah. And it's great inspiration for other games. Sure. Yeah, it's great to crib that. <laughs> like, hey, Ishan did a really good job with that. Excuse me while I steal it. Do, 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 do. For my online game. <laughs> I really like the, you know, sort of getting that extra hit of of role playing. Yeah. You know, like, okay, if I had a bad day at work, I don't want to be thinking about work. But, you know, if I can take 20 minutes and, like, send an email reply to this thread that we're having about, like, loot that I'm getting. Right. Yeah, totally. Uh, yep. That's helpful. That makes me feel good. Or um, I always like it when we have kind of open-ended decisions to make, um, especially it's always shopping for some reason. But, like, <laughs> where there's value in saying, like, okay, we have, you know, five items of this rarity, right? And, like it's helpful if somebody's willing to go through the book and like pull out the list of items right. and like which ones are worth considering and which ones are traps. Right. Like it just gives me something else to engage with, um, with the group. Do you hear that? Ishan? I'm rifling through the book, trying to figure out if these items are cursed. Oh, every single one is cursed. Of course. I think you're going to need a prayer. Maybe we can find one in the character creation forge. But before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane, at Mundangerous, that's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan, at Evil Sans Carne, that's Malice Minus Meat. And you can tweet the show, at TPTCast. You can also email us if you can get fitted into 140 characters at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrillCast.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, at TotalPartyThrill. So this week on the Character Creation Forge, we are building the Intercessor. You know, the church faces many horrors, and holy warriors face many hard decisions. But when they choose wrong, the Intercessor intervenes on their behalf, helping them to realize the error of their ways and providing absolution. Of course, if they don't see the error of their ways, the Intercessor also ends them. Sounds like a big responsibility. It, it is. It's a heavy weight on their shoulders. Sometimes the intercessor needs an intercessor. Yeah. <laughs> but who will guard the guards? <laughs> who watches the watchmen? Right. <laughs> so what's the build? It is Knowledge Cleric 9, Swashbuckler Rogue 11. I think it's very rare that we have a cleric rogue. Uh, it's also very rare that we have like a 9-11, 10-10, even 12-8 split. Uh, never forget. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bad wording, <laughs> phrasing. <laughs> phrasing. Are we still using that phrasing? <laughs> what is phrasing not a thing anymore? <laughs> uh, yeah, but so cleric nine, swashbuckler rogue uh, eleven. That'll get us from cleric. We'll get um, the expertise in religion. Mm-hmm. Um, knowledge cleric gets two knowledge skills with double proficiency. Yeah, you will be an expert in the laws of the church, which you may need if you're representing someone that you're interceding for uh, in a trial. Yeah, um, so that's probably covered by religion, and then you might want history uh, yeah. to kind of double into mm-hmm. that, or perhaps arcana if you're pursuing sort of magical threats mm-hmm. or you're, magical transgressions. You're obviously high wisdom, so you're going to have a good insight check, and you'll be able to top that out a little more later. Also, the Knowledge Cleric's channel Divinity allows her to read thoughts which is super handy when you have high wisdom or and high insight and (laughs) need to get somebody to talk (laughs) 
you'll have fifth level spells. Um, some of those friendly ones like guidance, you know, if you really need to help someone come to terms with what happened or, you know, their feelings, common emotions. If you really need it, there's zone of truth. Yeah, that's not exactly a friendly one. <laughs> Remove it's, curse. That's friendly. That's friendly. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes the intercessor needs guidance of their own, right? So you can commune with your deity. Uh, and sometimes they need to put strict restrictions on their targets. <laughs> <laughs> or themselves, I guess. True, yeah. Uh, what better spell than Gesh? <laughs> I also like that you can pick up Dispel Evil and Good, which is great if you suspect that one of your charges uh, might have been unduly influenced by a demon or something like that. Mm -hmm. But of course, it's not all faith in frocks right because we got 11 <laughs> 11 levels of swashbuckler <laughs> so that's going to give us four more expertises true expertise mm -hmm. uh that will be probably stealth persuasion might as well hit insight mm -hmm. uh if we're leaning into that wisdom and then you know one more for whatever you like uh deception yeah i like that one um, because sometimes people don't want to get bound out. Turns out, yeah. 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 So you either got to lie to them or you got to intimidate them. <laughs> I mean you no harm. Right. <laughs> or I really don't want to have to hurt you. <laughs> You'll get a 66 sneak attack. And because you're a swashbuckler, that'll happen even if you're working alone. Right. You get the rogue goodies on Kenny Dodge and Evasion. And, of course, Panache, which I really love because it, combines so well with your expertise in, in persuasion right you can charm someone for a minute and it works really really well with rogue 11 which gets you reliable talent right which means you cannot roll lower than a 10 on a d20 roll which means your chances of succeeding on that panache are very very high yes so the the key here for the intercessor is that you're going to want to talk first that's sort of your main thing is can we get to the bottom of this without violence yeah, let's let's get along. I'm here to help you. Right, and then if if that doesn't work, well, then I'm going to attempt to force you or <laughs> cajole you into it. So <laughs> command, hold person, zone of truth, those kinds of things. Yeah, I'd like to think of the um, the absolution ritual for an unwilling target is you know is very ritualistic. It is command to grovel, which means they get on their knees. They ask for forgiveness hold person which paralyzes them followed by a sneak attack which auto crits right <laughs> that was um that was always my move with our dark heresy game when we were actually playing very loosely speaking intercessors <laughs> uh but my 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 paralyzing spell as a psyker was i always made them grovel before the emperor so oh, right. kneel before the emperor mm -hmm. And then we would attack that person. Sniper rifle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ishan, tell me about your intercessor. So, speaking of 40K, uh, my intercessor is actually based loosely on uh, an old 40K character of mine, uh, Flavia Sibilis. She was a uh, noble born into privilege, um, very selfish girl. In fact, the only thing she cared about more than herself was her little brother. Mm -hmm. um, they were left mostly uh, on their own within the family mansion um, 
and they would go on long walks together. But, you know, one day he became very ill and over the months uh, he just got sicker and weaker and started to exhibit strange behaviors. And one day the intercessors came from the church and determined that uh, the boy was probably possessed and that he needed to be taken away to either be purged or cleansed. Uh, but well, well, it's forty k, so <laughs> purged. But if you're playing in D D, maybe maybe it's kinder and gentler. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> uh, Flavia didn't like that idea, so um, before they could take her brother away, she took him into the family crypts. Right? She knew her way around because they played there as children, mm-hmm. and uh, you know wanted to keep him safe. But the intercessors weren't able to find them in time, and her brother was eventually consumed by the demon within. And Flavia fortunately escaped because this is a backstory. Right. (laughs) But was horribly scarred. So she became an intercessor? Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, her family's very rich, right? Um, They could have afforded a regenerate spell to cure the scar. And in fact, they tried to do it, but she insisted, no, I will live with it as a a memory of my mistake. Mm, Okay. Now she makes sure that no one else makes that same mistake, basically by taking their little brothers. Nice. (laughs) What about your intercessor? So going back to uh, Eberron and the country of Thrain, which uh, you know is the the home of the the Church of the Silver Flame, or and, was well in our continuity <laughs> <laughs> in, in base Eberron, <laughs> um, but but is you know is a theocracy ruled by the Church? Um, I feel like the intercessor would be sort of the equivalent of like a defense attorney, right? Like mm. you, you wouldn't have necessarily like a public defender because you wouldn't have that same sort of secular legal system. Mm-hmm. But you might have the, – the the court system would probably be more like a judge-jury-executioner type thing, but the intercessor sort of intervenes on behalf of the accused, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, the chance to redeem the accused before the church uh, legal system sort of – discards them Mm -hmm. uh and so that would be my character is that she travels throughout thrain um sort of from small town to village and 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 sort of in the countryside right uh basically going from jail to jail (laughs) and figuring out like do you deserve justice or can i save you a circuit riding barrister basically (laughs) yeah 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 i really like the idea that uh, you know, this is like a feudal justice system, right? So you're, the goal of the intercessor is not to defend the defendant to the best of their ability. It is to seek the truth. Right, right. If you're guilty, well, you're guilty. Guess what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to tell everyone that you're guilty. And because it's a theocracy, right? The the faith in being correct, like why would you be led astray, right? Like if, if I believe you're guilty and I am possessed of the, the providence of our deity, then... How could I be wrong? Look, I cast on of truth. Um, I think you're guilty. Oh, look, that's true. So yeah. <laughs> you must be. Um, and then obviously, you know, this this gives you broad exposure to all types and, uh, and, and some type of awakening happens for the intercessor that would lead her to adventure rather than continuing upon her circuit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, probably someone who committed an evil act in the name of greater good, but, you know, an adventurer who is trying to protect against uh, bandits or something like that. Yeah, or maybe right, all of that is the backstory and the reason she's adventuring is she's become disillusioned with the life of the intercessor, but she's still going to have those abilities. Right, yeah. Yeah, a former intercessor. 
All right, if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is to visit patreon.com slash totalpartythrill to become one of our Patreon supporters. You'll get access to extra content, uh, TPT merchandise, and some dubious rewards. So if you find yourself in a position where you can spare like an extra $5 a month, please consider giving it to Doctors Without Borders. Right, but after that, (laughs) if you still have an extra $5 a month, uh, maybe give it to us and join our button club. And we will send you a TPT button, which you can wear to cons or your local game store. In fact, those of you who supported us in our very first round right off the bat, uh, the buttons are currently in the mail and speeding on their way to you. Yeah, and some of them to faraway locales. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Australia. We, we did not consider that. that <laughs> like, like, you think we would have learned when we, we had that contest and we, <laughs> and we had to send a book to Norway. <laughs> We're so dumb. <laughs> he really enjoyed his book, though, so I was glad. Yeah, no, I mean, it was great. It was, it's a, it's just a funny story now. <laughs> yeah, so uh, our Patreon is ongoing, obviously. Uh, we've already hit our $100 goal, thanks to your generosity, which is amazing. That means that we are working on the Morning Glory Supercut, which will be condensing the recaps from the first 73 episodes into a single file MP3. Um, we thought we were going to have time to work on that and it turns out you you guys crushed it in like 50 hours so we're working on it it's going to be a few weeks right we're going to try to crush it in like 500 hours yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and then the next goal that we're working on and and well on our way towards is at 200 dollars total uh we will be bringing in somebody to help us compile the character creation forge codex uh, in which we'll document all of our builds and sort of index them so they're searchable and a little easier to access if you're looking for a character for a one-shot or a new campaign that's starting up or a villain, who knows. In the meantime, we just uploaded a blooper reel of that musical review that we did last week. Yeah. Uh, frankly, I think the finished product is funnier than the blooper reel. But, Probably. But we had the blooper reel, and I felt bad to not even you know put anything up after our patreon supporters came out so quickly for us so it's up there you can listen to it it's only a few minutes long thanks again to james intracasso for sending that over hope you enjoy it too and please for the love of god no more musical five-star reviews (laughs) please don't make us sing again we're gonna read it like spoken word right (laughs) Uh, but speaking of five-star reviews we do have one from australia today uh, called Total GM Inspiration. This is by Manrat. After GMing for a few decades, it's easy to lose inspiration. Thanks to the guys at TPT Podcast for providing insight, ideas, and inspiration. You know, even though it'll probably cost us far too much money to send a button to Manrat, if he joins the button club, I will gladly do it. Yeah, those, those buttons are like 50 cents to send to in the US and probably like like I, I six guess bucks we'll to see. send abroad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It'll get there eventually. Right. <laughs> All right. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? Uh, we're finally finishing up our series on player personality types, and we're talking about tacticians. And in the character creation forge? We're building the showstopper. Well, that's it for episode 101 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we've lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.